Welcome to the Passive Income Examiner Podcast, where we dissect passive income systems and strategies as a solution to the silent worries that keep us up at night, like how to pay for our kids' education, or how to build up a retirement we can be proud of, or heck, how about just having a few more family vacations? Hey, I'm Lindsay Sutherland, working mama of four who escaped the big city for a log cabin in the woods, who loves country music and rock and roll, and I believe it is possible to make money while we sleep. Welcome, friends. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the Passive Income Examiner podcast series. I want to introduce our guest of honor today, Ms. Jennifer of Jennifer Hartle Consulting. Jennifer built her career in finance and later found a passion for educating the masses about mastering their finance. Let's dig in and hear what she has to offer us today. Um, And I'm super excited because I think right now, more than ever, people are looking for that alternative outside of you know, regular jobs or they lost their job or they're afraid to get a job or who knows what. I mean, it's kind of a crazy world. Yeah. Or they're realizing they don't have to do the nine to five in an office that, you know, there's other options available. I know there's, there's so much going on right now. It's, it's a wonderful time. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. So tell me a little bit about you. Okay. I actually, uh, I was in the military after I was going to be a veterinarian, but I didn't like the hundred thousand dollar price tag that came with it. So I said, you know, I took a year off after high school to try and uh, save as much money as I could. I had enough to get through one semester of the state college um, pre-vet courses. And so I said, you know, I'm gonna, I, I come from a long line of military people. So I, uh, I joined the military to get the GI Bill, was injured. <laughs> so I could no longer be, I wanted to be a large animal vet, could no longer be a large animal vet. So then, of course, I went through the whole you know, now what do I want to be when I grow up thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, eventually I, I, um, I decided, I was like, you know what? I, I really like doing my taxes and most people don't. So I'm like, I'm going to become an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, now I'm an accountant who doesn't do anybody else's taxes. But, <laughs> but shortly after that, I started working as a sales tax auditor and then started going in the not-for-profit arena and have uh, been both a director of finance and director of HR in that arena. You know, and it, it kind of, it started, I, I mean, I'd grown up in 4-H, my daughter grew up in 4-H. And so about this time, I, I'm, I was working at a small not-for-profit on the south side of Syracuse, which has a higher concentration of poverty than Detroit. Um, and at the same time, my daughter and her friends were all, you know, growing up, moving out on their own. And, you know, and, and luckily growing up in that 4-H environment, you know, they all call me mom. I, I consider them all my kids. You know, they, they all, you know, it's like one big family. So they would come to me for money advice. And so I said, you know what, let me go ahead. I was about, it's been almost two years now. I said, you know what, let me go ahead and put this all on a website and I'll start us a Facebook group. And then we can discuss this all at once instead of them coming to me individually because I'm too busy to do this as a full-time job. Yeah. And so I did. So I started the website, I started the group. And the next thing I know, their parents are wanting to join, their friends are wanting to join, friends of friends are wanting to join. So the business kind of created itself. Um, yeah, and, and also, like I said, kind of at the same time, working on the south side of Syracuse with all these people, I noticed these little kids, you know, they all had the same hopes and dreams of everyone. Somehow, by the time they were in their teens, they decided, you know, it was easier just not to have a job, collect welfare, have a lot of kids, live live off the, the government and the people's money. And But they also had the elders who were very respectful. You know, they'd, they'd get all dressed up in their Sunday best when they had a meeting or even just come in the office. They'd be all, you know 
and they'd call each other, you know, Ms., Mr. And, and the young kids were taught to, you know, to really respect their elders too. So I was like, what happened here? And so that's where kind of the whole thing was born. I was like, okay, well, here I am. I have these, these kids who were raised in really good families, really uh, responsible, who are struggling. How are these other people who don't have that same infrastructure, you know, stand a chance? And so that's where I really started to, to build out my mission of really wanting to help at least a million people stop living paycheck to paycheck by 2030 and help end generational poverty. And wow. so it really, it was just, it just kind of was like this perfect storm. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a, that's a wonderful thing. And you know what I love, especially about where our conversation's going, Jennifer, is the fact that there is such a lack to me, there's always been a lack of, of financial education in, in schools. Mm-hmm. And I gosh, I remember, you know, the bank came in when I was in fourth or fifth or sixth grade, somewhere in there and, you know, taught me how to balance a checkbook. And they gave us all a bunch of like information about how to manage a checkbook. There was no um, concept of what's passive income versus what's traditional income. So did you create sort of a system or something to further educate these people or what, where did they go from there after you kind of saw the need? Well, mostly what I've been doing so far is um, just education. If you look at my post, you know, I just, every day I'm putting out, not every day, every weekdays, I am putting out high value, good information for them to know. I actually, uh, you know, chose not to even think about considering like being a financial planner or financial advisor, because I don't want to be tied to a product and then be influenced. You know, like in one of my, um, I guess my arch nemesis is like Dave Ramsey. You know, if you go to his website, he's constantly trying to sell you something. He's like, you know, it's not just giving you information. It's like, oh, look, you can, you know, buy this insurance product that he gets a, a port, you know, he owns the insurance company or he he's affiliated with um, who's ever providing the service. You know, he does that with, with everything, with insurances, with mortgages, with, um, you know, credit cards and you, know, you go to, I don't know if you've ever been to his website, but it looks like a used car sales page. <laughs> you know? I'm like, so I'm like, I don't want to be like that. I want to be completely independent and just give, get good, you know, give good information. So I do have a system in place, which starts with knowing where you are, you know, so really creating that, that, uh, you know, the budget for yourself, creating, you know, almost like a balance sheet where, you know, your assets, you know, your liabilities, you know, where your income is, you know, your expenses, um, and then going from there to where, you know, and taking those steps to where you want to eventually be. And in between, it's more of, I don't have anything set up per se. I do have um, my effortless investing course for people who want to get started in investing in the stock market. And it can take you from, it, it only takes a few hours if you watch it straight through, but it takes you from like having absolutely no idea how to invest in the stock market to being, you know, confidently making those first few purchases in just a matter of hours. And then I'm, I'm working also on, creating a spreadsheet. I've given out my spreadsheet before that I used to track my my income expenses, but I'm, I'm actually gonna make it more user-friendly. So it'll actually create your budget for, at least a starter budget for you, kind of your you know where you are now. And then you can tweak it from there because I know a lot of people, they see spreadsheets, they get overwhelmed. They're still not sure what to do with them. So I'm like, you know what, if I can make that a little bit more user-friendly, I've given away for free, but I'll, I'll put a small, you know, like $27 price tag on it or something once that is done. And then I'm also working on a small course, um, you know, just finance fundamentals that really, you know, talks about those things like you're talking about, like, you know, balancing your checkbook, understanding the terms, you know, things along those lines, you know, it's that, 
you know, being able to write down kind of yeah, where you are, you know, with your, your balance sheet and your, your income statement, you know, and kind of taking all those business things that any business would have. And for some reason, people don't translate it to individuals because we need it just Absolutely. as badly as any business does, probably more so. Right. Well, <laughs> I haven't looked at that spreadsheet, but does it talk about a net worth? Is it a net worth statement or is it just basically a balance sheet of like the actual funds that you have available? It has a little bit of both. So yeah, it's, um, and I actually have a debt tracker spreadsheet that I do too, that I work with my, um, my mentees with, I really don't like to call them students. Um, I feel like I'm more of a mentor than, than a, than a teacher, but you know, where they can actually track and see like, Oh, okay, this month, this is my minimum payment. This is how much my total balance is. This is my available credit. And it really sets them up in a place where if they want to like get a house, they know how it's going to affect them, where they are, if they can even qualify, things like that. So I really try to like kind of encompass the entire good foundation because that's where you need to start from. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. I don't really have a, a system in place per se because it just, I'm at the point right now where everyone's so individualized that I don't want to create some blanket product that um, cannot be, you know, fine-tuned to what they need. Sure. Um, because it seems like so many of the products that are out there right now are just kind of, they're made for the masses. You know, and, and a lot of people don't feel like that resonates with them. So yeah, but also, I mean, once they take your course and it sparks questions for them, they always have your Facebook group where they can talk to you and ask questions there that are more pertinent to their life. Because I know, you're right. When we can't fit one course, can't be a one size fits all. But you know, if you've you've gotten some consistency in the questions that people are asking or the information that's mm-hmm. helpful, I mean, that's always a good place to start. I was thinking. But, you know, what about a course for like middle schoolers that, you know, parents could invest in to just give them a meat and potatoes starting out idea of mm-hmm. money and how like how that work, how does money work? How does it work globally? Because I think my kids really need to understand like we do in our house, we talk about the national debt and how it affects the dollar. But I still don't think they have a concept of like the global issues or like what if the the dollar drops, you know, what does that mean for them? You know, things like that, Mm -hmm. that it's not about worrying or creating worry. It's about understanding that cash isn't always just the only way to have money. There's other forms of money. How does it all work together? What is a commodity? Those kinds of things. Yeah, especially especially since cash actually, it's like, it's less than 10%. I want to say it's like 7% of the total amount of money out there, you know, the cash in your pocket is like, it's nothing. Most of it is, is on paper and spreadsheets and yeah. you know, it's just numbers, yeah. <laughs> which is why, which is why the economy can keep growing the way it has in years past when we were tied to gold as the standard, or we only had a finite amount of dollars that we could print. We could, we would have never been in this economy. You know, there's just no way it could have right. happened. And it is because now everything is more credit-based, more plastic-based. You, know, you don't actually have to have physical anything tied to it it really changes the whole game. Yeah. So, no, that's a great idea. I might, maybe I'll look into that because it's not, some, it's actually something I want to do eventually because of course, growing up in 4-H, it's all about, you know, learning by doing. And and one of the things that I loved was when I was in, I can't remember if I was a sophomore or junior, but in social studies, our teacher actually broke us up into groups. We were learning about the stock market and the stock market crashed in the 20s. And uh, he actually broke us up into groups, gave us $100,000 each of, of play money. And we, we looked up, we bought our stocks, we decided what we wanted to buy, what we wanted to sell. Each week we'd get together and, and make these choices. And at the end of six or eight weeks, whatever it was, whoever had made the most money got the highest score, like an A plus, and then maybe an A and then, a, you know, but it really, for me, now I have, I had no fear investing in the stock market because I understood, I understood the terms, I understood how things work, I understood what to look for. 
And, you know, and that was something I just thought everybody learned in school. I, I later realized that not everyone does. And that was really the basis of the effortless investing course, because, you know, I was like, well, it just gives you, you know, it's just information. Most people are just overwhelmed because they, they don't know, but it's actually very simple. And, and you're right with these other things that could be, it's very simple. It's just that, you know, we're not taught them. And so part of what I wanted to do is eventually down the road was actually have teen groups where I could fund to make investments, whether they invest in Bitcoin or stocks or bonds or, you know, maybe even eventually real estate. I wouldn't give them enough to really invest in real estate right off the bat. But if they, you know, if the group made enough money and they then wanted to invest in real estate, they could. Or, But they'd be using real dollars to invest in real products, but it'd be the group money. So we don't have to worry about, you know, parental consent and, you know, and, and doing any kind of special accounts or anything like that. You know, just so that by the time they reached adulthood, they would be familiar with these and comfortable with these concepts. Wow. Um, but the idea of, yeah, the idea of doing, thank you. <laughs> the idea of doing a little course ahead of time, though, I really like that. Um, you know, my, my 20-somethings are my, are really my ICA because, you know, I want them to get a, I want that to cut the learning curve for them so that they're in a good place earlier Then they can teach their parents or they can teach their kids eventually when they have them. And that, yeah, that's kind of my plan for ending generational poverty is just education. I love because um, I really think that's what it comes down to right now. I mean, it clearly isn't it isn't location because people in the middle of nowhere Africa are creating their own businesses, making money, um, you know, doing very well for themselves. So it's not a matter of where you are or how you've been raised or the opportunities you were given. It is definitely at this point just a matter of of education and in that you know, that thirst for learning and taking action on it. So let me ask you, so let's dive in a little bit to your um okay your current passive income strategy and kind of how did you get to, what is, is it the courses that you're, that you're selling right now? Is that your passive income strategy? Nope. They're actually, I mean, they are part of the strategy, but they're not really creating any passive income right now. I, I decided early on when COVID first hit and we started locking down, I actually did. I took all my, all my offerings, all my paid offerings off the table. I just gave everything away for free. That's why I gave away the spreadsheets. I gave away, all these video or sorry, not well, I did videos too, but um, pretty much everything, all the information that I had, I just was giving away. So if you look at the posts I've been creating over the last six months or so, um, there's just a lot of high value, almost no ask in return, you know, just, just getting it all out there so people could, you know, get back on their feet or, you know, come out of this stronger. Now I'm at the point now about a month or so ago, I said, okay, now I can start making those asks again and, and those offerings. So, so yes, the, uh, the e-courses the e are part of my passive income strategy, but the bigger one is actually the, the residential rental real estate, which I actually just kind of fell into accidentally. <laughs> I had uh, my first house, which was a trailer, on a, it was on a beautiful lot. It was a little, little single wide with a detached two and a half car garage on an acre and a third. And um, that was the first house that I bought after my divorce. When I went to sell it, people were trying to undercut me. I wasn't asking a lot for it. And, you know, everybody was trying to, and, and I knew why, because they wanted to turn into a rental property. And I said, well, I'm like, and I was really only trying to sell it for what the land was worth because I knew, you know, it's a trailer. It doesn't really have any value. And so I said, well, if anybody's going to make money off this thing, it's going to be me. I mean, I may live in a trailer, but I'm not dumb. Right. So, <laughs> so I actually, and I really only wanted to sell it so I could have the down payment so I wouldn't have to pay PMI on my new house. I bought a hundred acre horse farm. Yeah. So anyway, so I, so I, I talked to my sister, she had some extra money. So we went ahead and, you know, we bought a new trailer, put it on there. I actually hauled the old one over. I only bought a place a mile down the road. So I hauled my old trailer, parked it next to the new house and put a ramp across so I could unload everything. Oh, wow. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, my neighbors must have been like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> 
So we, so together we co-own that rental and I manage it. She's out of state. So she was the money. I was, you know, taking care of everything. And we still do to this day. We still have that property and it's just a cash cow now because after we paid off the new trailer, you know, it's just pure profit. Mm-hmm. And so then my, my dad was in a plane crash and like two weeks before the, the terrorist attacks and he um, left me a half a duplex. <laughs> wow. And so here I am. And luckily with, with that, he left me his, you know, the rental agreement, you know, so there was some passive income coming there. I didn't have to pay anything for it. So I had this money coming in every month. I think it was like, I want to say it was like five fifty a month at the time, you know, with, with really no strings attached. I mean, I had to pay the, ta- you know, you know, you have to pay the taxes, you have to, you know, do the maintenance, but, but really it was, you know, just set up and given to me, you know, between those we were making, I was making some, you know, pretty decent money. And I just actually, um, this spring bought the other half of my duplex because the gentleman, it was my dad's best friend who owned the other half. They had built it together. I actually helped build it way back when I was in my teens oh, wow. <laughs> in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I bought him out. So now I own the entire duplex. So I have, you know, now I'm up to three doors, you know, so I just have, but it's all, it's all cash cow because it's all, you know, there's, there's no mortgages on it. Although I am looking right now to, I'm leveraging the duplex so I can take out the money and, and buy some additional real estate properties. So, that's great, yeah. um, so that's, that's my plan right now. But, but yeah, that's really, that's my passive income is that, that residential real estate because there's nothing to it. You're really in a great position. You've got the education to help people, give them the confidence that they need to start making investment choices. And then real estate is one of the best things to do. And that's, yeah, and that's why I warn people. I've actually, and, and it, it'd be easier if you went on my website, the How to Be a Money Master website and looked it up because, um, but I have, well, I'm trying to remember, I think the, the video might only be in the Facebook group, but I actually did like a whole, almost like a mini master class on rental real estate. And, and that was one of the things I, you know, it's like only certain people are, can be landlords. I mean, it's like, if you don't have the mindset and the fortitude to be a landlord, don't, because it's not for everyone. And if you are going to be doing something outside your area, or if you choose to go with a property manager, you have to, or if you can't do the hands-on, you have to find a team that you can trust because as you know, you know, if you don't have the right property manager, if you don't have the right maintenance crew, you know, that can make or break you. Yeah, definitely. So, well, or you, you know, don't know how to vet your tenant. That's always. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. That's why I really, I really mastered that skill. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you only have one or two rentals, it's a lot easier to be more vested. That's something I was going to ask you, actually, Jennifer, like if you were to talk about somebody who may be listening to this episode, who's kind of thinking about toe dipping into passive income strategy, you've done so much, you've, you've seen so much, what would be your recommendation? Like, hey, this is a good place to start if, if you were just giving somebody some advice. In general, about real estate and in, in specifically in general, about just like, general. you know, okay. building, building or investing into a passive income strategy mm-hmm. or, or some sort of, as they might say, a side hustle. But the difference yeah. is that we're not what I'm not about is the hustle part, because exactly I'm, me either. I want to live. You can hustle in your 20s, but by the time you get the yeah, it's like, no, no, thank you. I'll, I'll, yeah. right. well, I think I've done every MLM known to man, practically, you know, and it's like or network <laughs> marketing, as they say. But, yeah. you know, when you're full time and your mom and you're you're busy with your kids, whether mm-hmm. they're homeschooled or not, your family becomes your life. And I think it really comes down to your personality. 
you know, because what works for one person may not work for the other. You know, if you have somebody who's an extrovert and they love, you know, an MLM might be the best way for them to start building that, you know, if they're extremely charismatic, you know, that's where they do well with the MLMs where they can do a little bit of hustle and then they build up their team and they have residual coming in. I was actually a Mary Kay consultant for a few years um, back in my early twenties. That was how, you know, it's how I was able to put food on the table when my ex-husband was spending all of our money and then some, you know, <laughs> and, and I was trying to, you know, I was trying to be as best I could to say a stay at home mom with our young child after I got out of the military. Um, you know, she was only a year old, you know, when, when I got, well, when I got out of the military, she was close to a year old and then we divorced right after her second birthday. But, you know, and so, and I was a Mary Kay consultant for pretty much from the time I was like pregnant for her until I went back to college. When I finished up college, I had something I had to give. And now teaching riding lessons too, you know, so she could, you know, so she get her horse would pay for itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I always all about that. I was like, okay, if we're going to have a horse, the horse has to pay for itself. So I taught riding lessons um, so she could have a horse until I got out of college and had, you know, a, a better paying job. Um, but really it, it comes down to your personality and your passions. Because as you know, if you enjoy doing it, it doesn't feel like work and somehow you'll find the time at 6 a.m. before the kids get up or later on in the evening after they go to bed or while they're taking their naps, if you're lucky enough to have kids that actually take naps. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you can tuck it in. And I really did. At the time, I enjoyed being a Mary Kay consultant. I am not an extrovert, um, but I did. It was kind of the same thing I do now, right? I spent a lot of times going to like nursing homes and helping the nursing home residents get all dialed up and they loved it and they felt pretty. And but then they tell their kids and their grandkids and then they would become my customers. You know, and that's why I actually lived in Missouri at the time. So I was stationed okay. in Missouri, you know, but that's, yeah. So it kind of played into my strengths. I, I liked what I was doing. I was having fun and, um, and it, it put the money that I needed on, you know, so I could buy the food so I could pay the insurance or whatever I had, you know, put gas in the car, whatever little things. Right. It didn't make a lot of money, but, um, I did not have the personality though to become like a team leader as you, you know, we work your right, you know, we actually have a team. I, I, that was not my personality. So that's why it was not ultimately successful for me. So really, I think that'd be my, my biggest advice to people is like, you know, do something that really plays to your strengths and your personality because it becomes so much easier when, when you do. Yeah. Well, what if they have like a job and they're making a little bit of extra money and they just want to invest some of it and get a return higher, maybe than a 401k or I think right now, and I'm not sure if this is just me and some of the research I've done or if more people feel this way, but I don't really trust 401ks. You know, after watching the last market crash and then knowing that that's kind of where we're headed in the next few years, and it may not obviously be as bad as the last one, but and God help us, I hope it's not. But I definitely don't know that right now is the time I want to start putting money into a 401k wholeheartedly maybe there's another strategy like you said the stock thing like stocks is truly scary to me I don't know that I would feel comfortable knowing where to begin with that maybe that would be a good good way to start yeah and really what most people don't understand is that 401ks were set up to they were a tax loophole and they were set up originally to they benefit the employer they don't even benefit really the person at all they were not meant for people to retire on or retire wealthy on, um, you know, when you think about it, back in the day, you used to go and work for the same company, and after 40 years, they give you the, the gold watch and your pension for life. And you usually, if you were lucky, you lived a couple of years after that. You know, most people were, you know, courteous enough to die very soon after retirement, so that the company really didn't have to pay out a whole lot. And then, as people started living longer after retirement, you know, the companies were like, "Oh darn, what are we going to do now?" Because you know, this is costing us money, <laughs> and. That was when they actually started, they found this tax loophole and they actually started offering this 401k 
uh, you know, so there it, it puts all the, it, it puts a good chunk of uh, the responsibility on the employee because now if you don't retire with enough money, it's your fault. You know, it's not, you don't have to worry about the employer taking care of you. Um, and of course, people don't work for the same employer for as long as they used to. Now people move around a lot more. But what it does is the, the 401k or whatever employer, you know, there's 457b or 403b, whatever it might be. But the employer sponsored uh, retirement account actually shows up on their balance sheet. So it shows up as an asset and as a liability, but when when they're going for funding, it makes them look it makes their balance sheet look stronger when the employer wants to go and borrow money from the bank or whoever or get funding. And so that's what it's really all about. And so really, and if you ever look at, I'm sure you, you know, you've, you've had a 401k, it sounds like. So if you ever look at the fees they're charging you, as soon as you stop contributing, this thing starts whittling away pretty darn quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, oh, the fees are outrageous on those things because they tend to put them in mutual funds where somebody's actively managing it and you pay through the nose for that. Really what the 401ks are good for is if your employer has a match, if you put in what the employer will match and that's it, you're, that's how you maximize your 401k. You know, I recommend, and it's based on recent, you know, research um, and studies, and but most millionaires and billionaires set aside at least, and, you know, at least when they're starting out, you know, it, it changes as you get more money, but you know, at least 10% of your income goes to future you, you know, your investments. So if you're putting 3% into a 401k, because that's what your company matches, you take the other 7% and you invest on your own. And a lot of times the easiest thing to invest in is the stock market when you're first starting out. And then as you build up more money, then you can, you know, turn around and, you know, take it out and invest it in real estate or bigger items that are less risky. But as you know, you know, if you just, if all you do is just put in a savings account, it's not going to grow. It's not going to keep pace with inflation. So I guess, unfortunately, if you want to call it that, you know, the stock market is really the only way when you're first starting out to get ahead of the game. And that, and you can do it at, on a small scale until you feel more comfortable, right? I mean, that's- Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. You could start out with as little as, you know, $5 and, and, you know, buy some, I mean, if you want to buy a share of Ford, I think that's still around, it's, I think it's still under $10. I think GM is the same. Um, you know, a lot of car companies are under $10 a share. Wow. Um, I'm kidding. Yeah, I worked in the car because I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tesla is not. Tesla, when I checked, uh, I actually did a live on Thursday. I was talking about the stock market. And Tesla at that point was $400 a share. Tesla wow. makes absolutely no sense. They There was absolutely no reason for that that stock to be anywhere near what it is. Because um, they don't even sell, they don't sell that many cars. They don't sell well-made cars. They have, you know, they actually, the cars have like a horrible reputation. I'm not quite sure how. <laughs> people love the hype. I mean, Elon is like a great salesman. People love the hype. And I don't know. It's it's kind of and they are they are getting a lot of data and I know you know so as far as data goes so they are collecting all that data so they do have so maybe that's where the the value can come from but it's not for the it's not for the cars themselves as much as I love Tesla they're so much fun to drive. <laughs> well, I can tell I definitely want to be a part of your group. You've got a lot of wealth of information and reaching all over the place. Um, yeah, sorry, I will bounce all over the place. So sorry, but anyways, so yeah, no, so that's um, only because so yeah, so. You're full of the information, and you, you know, like <laughs> that would that's what I love about our conversation is it's like you've enlightened me in lots of ways already. <laughs> well, and you've enlightened me too, so this has been perfect. I appreciate that. But what you want to do is when you're investing in the stock market, when you're starting out, and I actually did a post not that long ago. I think I think it was Thursday when I when I talked about it. So you just probably hop back and look at that one, but. Um, you want to invest in something that you that you use on a regular basis, something that you truly love, um, something that aligns with your values. And then also, lastly, it's called Motley Fool has what's called the snap test. 
which is where if you snapped your fingers and it disappeared tomorrow, would people miss it? And so when you look at some of the, especially some of the bigger stocks like Google, Disney, you know, probably your automakers, uh, Apple, you know, if you, if, if you snapped your fingers and they disappeared tomorrow, people would miss it. And so that's, those tend to be your, your safer bet. And then it's just a matter of doing some research, seeing what you think is a good price for it, and then buying it when it gets to the price that you think it should be at. And then just, you know, plan on buying and holding forever unless you, you know, see that it looks like it's going to go down the drain. You know, there's always it, it always helps if you know when to get out. But for the most part, some of these bigger companies, you know, they're they're going to be around for the long haul too. And so, through all the ups and downs, eventually, you know, everything goes up. And uh, although there's no guarantees, so I always tell people if you don't like roller coasters, don't get involved in the stock market. Yeah. Um, but it is really the easiest way for somebody just starting out with not a lot of money to kind of get their initial footing and get you know and start making the money where they can then turn around and use it to you know as a down payment to buy. Um, you know, real estate or whatever. The other thing that people can do too that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to real estate, and you may already be aware of this, especially with your husband, but um, you know, if you buy a, a duplex, triplex, quadplex, and you live in one of those units, mm-hmm. then there's all sorts of, uh, you get all the advantage of being a landlord, but you also get the really good rates from the FHA. So, okay. so you can get it for as low as like 3% down um, and then really in your, in your tenants are paying for your mortgage, your maintenance, and then some. And then, of course, you get all the tax breaks, you know, that, that you get as being a, a landlord. So, yeah, um, that is so true. Well, that's great. Those are two great power you. tips. Thank you folks for sharing those. <laughs> Sorry, that was like a really long answer to your question. But <laughs> no, honestly, that's why I started this. There's so many different things out there and it's hard mm-hmm. to no, well, A, I don't trust internet very much. Like the information I'm getting, everybody's selling me something. Like you said, it's like a used, yeah. Google's like a used car dealership. It really is. So I always think to myself, you know, am I just getting sold bill of goods here or is this legitimate or is it legitimate for 1%? You know, sometimes it's like, oh, this yeah. could happen, but it doesn't really that often, you know, that kind of stuff. So, like Weight Watchers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am always comparing finances to health. I don't know. There's just something about it between health and travel i talk about like the road you're on where you want to go but the other one is the 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 health and weight loss part because it is it's like so i know there's so many similarities but yeah it's like you know weight watches works for 3.6 percent of the population so there are so you do hear those success stories that you see on the commercials but for the vast more you're just you're just throwing money away so no it is it's really good and i like and i always encourage everyone it's like you have to take you know if you look at everything that's out there do your own research and then figure out what works best for you Mm -hmm. You i don't i don't want anybody to, to follow me blindly I'm always putting out those little disclaimers, you know, you know, because I want people to, you know, to be empowered. If you're just following someone and doing exactly what they tell you to do, you're not empowered. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I'm learning every day too. And that's why in, I actually call it a community, not a group, but in, in the Facebook group community, I actually encourage everyone to share because I love it when people come in and they know things that I don't know. Like I have somebody in here who used to be, she used to work in options trading. And so, oh, you know, yeah. she's like my go-to. If somebody has a question about options, I'm like, here you go. Here's our expert. Or we might have somebody who, you know, who does real estate or I have some mortgage brokers in there. I learn something new every day, at least, at least one new thing every day. So we'll link your community in our, our notes here and okay. your website, and we'll put a link to your course, your stock market course too. Right now, it seems like if Facebook is really the, you know, right. I seem to meet the most people. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Passive Income Examiner podcast. 
I just want to give a big thank you for listening. And in celebration of my launch, I'm giving away a gift pack that includes a $50 Amazon gift card, a Tools for Wisdom 18-month planner, and a 30-minute strategy session with me. Here's how you can win. Head over to iTunes and leave me a starred review, then screenshot that review and tag me on Instagram at the Passive Income Examiner. I'll announce the winner the first week of November. Today, friends, let's empower others who are also looking to escape the rat race and find a better way because we actually can make money while we sleep.